The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippy is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. This is, I guess it's called Griffin Griffin. That's like the brand we've been putting on these podcasts. I don't really know where to go with this, but this is the post-game show with Colin Brister. As we did every week, I got tons of compliments on this show last week. I got tons of texts and DMs that was like, hey, I love this show. Until some asshole that put me, uh, that put on our iTunes review that I was the worst beat writer of the last 20 years. Colin, I'm only 25, so what does that make me? What's up? <laughs> well, that's not fair, because I was a beat writer there for like a, a, you know, a year or so, so I, you at least got me beat. Yeah, well, I have more trophies than you, because I am the worst beat writer of the last 25 years, so suck on that one. Anyway, this is the... LB's post-game show. I only said LB's post-game show because Greg's the only asshole dumb enough to sponsor this podcast. Let's get into this. Ole Miss wins 42-41 in overtime. You all know what we're here for. I uh, I don't even really know where to begin to win this game. Where would you like to start? The fact that Ole Miss is the most solid kicking game in the country and it proved big against a team that wasn't? Okay, look. How many times can Luke Logan walk off the field and say, you know what, I'm better than their kicker? Not hey, buddy. <laughs> Look, I, if I had, if I was a crusty old sports writer working at the Gannett paper based out of Jackson, 
I would sit there and I would say, you, what do my readers want to read? And my <laughs> readers want to read why the piss and miss built Luke Logan for this moment. Thoughts? Hey, no, seriously, it was cool that with the game on the line, Matt Corral threw a touchdown to Elijah Moore and uh, Luke Logan kicked an extra point to win it. That that seriously is cool for all, of, all three of them. After all that. parties involved, that's vindication. And maybe yeah. we'll start there. So Ole Miss wins this game 42 to 41. And you and I talked in this show last week, I think at least a little bit, about how the fact that, yeah, Ole Miss was fine in the passing game. It's really hard to critique the passing game, even in a 51 to 35 loss to Florida. It's hard to critique <laughs> the passing game. But outside of Elijah Moore, there was really not much of a force. You had Don Terrio Drummond, who caught both of his passes for touchdowns. And again, we're talking about last week against Florida. But I'm saying all that to say, is that Ole Miss needed more out of Jonathan Mingo. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And I wrote that in a column on Friday. And boy, buddy, did that come to fruition this week. Can you, like, I mean, what more can you ask out of Jonathan Mingo in the second half? He was fantastic. Yeah, they, man, they've got a number two and number kind of 2A receiver right now, right? Because Dontario Drummond doesn't have as big of a day, obviously. Mingo, uh, you know, probably had the bigger day, I'm sure. But You've got two guys behind Elijah Moore right now that, man, are just making plays. And that that does so much for your passing game when they can't double Elijah Moore. And, and man, he's almost impossible to guard one-on-one. Look, dude, but Moore ends up with 10 catches, 92 yards, and I believe a touchdown, right? But at yeah. the end of the day, like, you talk about the volume of catches and Moore ends up with two with 20, 227 yards last week. And you're like, right, it's more of the same. They're force-feeding Elijah Moore the football. Jonathan Mingo, after really not making a ton of an impact in the first half, ends up with eight receptions, 128, and two touchdowns. Uh, that'll hunt, pal. Yeah, yeah. And just annihilated a Kentucky DB one time. Um, it, somebody texted me this, and, and I kind of thought it was true. And look, it's way too early for this, but physically – he looks like somebody else that wore an Ole Miss jersey that, or wore, wore the number one jersey, maybe just a little bit fat, faster. Um, he looks like Juan Treadwell. Yeah, I was say, I've been saying this a couple of times is he's wearing that number. And is he A.J. Brown or Laquan Treadwell? No. But when no. you wear that number and you have the similar build as he is, then you kind of get those comparisons. And then when you catch a screen route and just bulldoze a corner to turn a three-yard gain into eight and a half, like you can only like – I mean, that, like, that's as close as you're going to get with the comparisons. Is he A.J. Brown or Laquan Trotto? Absolutely not. But the man is coming into his own in front of our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you need, man. Uh, just just a great game from him. And Elijah Moore, I don't know what his stat line finished out. I'm sure he was over 100 yards. But, man, he was he was open all day. Um, they've got a real threat in Kenny Yaboa too, and as the tight end. So, I mean, it's man, this passing attack, this aerial attack is, is something else right now. How much money would someone have had to pay you? And I understand Kiffin goes about things other differently than Rich Rodriguez. And I get that there is hard like, to forecast actual expectations of this team going into the year. But if someone had said, hey, Colin, on you know, whatever, we're going to have a college football season. Today is August 1st. And Ole Miss's best passing game is going to be pushing it vertically down the field with Matt Corral. What would you have told them on August one? Uh, I probably would have. Well, the first thing I would, you know, I think we need to give some credit here because they were a lot better in the second half is, is wow, they're better on the offensive line than I expected. Um, 
if they have time to be able to throw the ball down the field. But okay, I been so can I? I don't mean to interject. Can I interject there for two seconds? Sure. I think they're fine, but I think Corral's feet, which he yeah. doesn't get enough credit for, mass a lot of their mistakes. Continue. Sure. Absolutely. Um, they're not great. Um, I don't think they're particularly good on the left side right now. Uh, you know, maybe I could go back and watch that. They're fine. The they're fine. Yeah. There's a difference yeah. between good and fine. Um, ben Brown has got to stop rolling snaps and snapping. And, and look, it's his first year as a full-time center. But, my God, he, he killed him at the goal line that drive. Um, but, man, it's hard to complain a lot about offense right now. Uh, that, that's a team that can get the ball down the field. And Matt Crow, man, he's playing – look – it's two games in. He's playing as good as any other quarterback in the country, including Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, <laughs> Trevor, when you throw the name Trevor Lawrence in there, it makes me gasp. But, like, dude, I agree. He's playing really well. He's throwing the football with confidence. And I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you look at the cesspool that is Twitter during games. <laughs> and I think the biggest change for me um, I would say from doing this full-time professionally to kind of backing off and doing this in a part-time role and kind of having a little more fun and being able to do podcasts sure. like this is the fact that I can kind of sit back on a Saturday and actually look at the cesspool that is my Twitter mentions. And I say all of that to say there is at least one, and I say one because I don't think this reflects the large population of humanity because you know if, if this was a reflection of humanity i probably would just uh i don't know walk off the face of the earth or to australia or whatever the flat earthers say doesn't exist there is at least one matt corral denier still out there because he is still tweeting me and i just don't under like what do you do with a matt corral denier at this point Thoughts? <laughs> you just, you i just don't understand up. that like what is that <laughs> here brian here's some stats for you uh, Matt Corral this year, 46 of 60 for 700, okay. 715 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception. That was 11, not his fault. For 11.9 yards per attempt, 26 rushes for 101 <laughs> yards. That seems okay. And I'm not trying to have us take a victory lap. But, I mean, gosh, damn, man. Like, what are we talking about here? Rich Rodriguez should be in federal prison. He should be in federal prison. Not only should be in federal prison, he should be teaching a class on how to get people to drink cyanide. Because <laughs> the only thing I can think of is a cult-like mentality where you have a large faction of a college football fan base say, John Rice Plumley offers the best option to Matt Corral. And that's what you had going on last October. But I digress. Let's get into this game because there's – more than enough to talk about in this game. The defense was not good. But no. I will say, for as bad as the defense was, there were a couple of times where they quote-unquote, and this is a 2018 Wesley McGriff term, and I apologize for saying it, there were a couple of times where they kind of bowed their neck in the second half. Just overall impressions of the defense. Uh, horrible in the first half. Um, absolutely awful. Uh, I know they get three stops. Two of them were aided by holding penalties, and they got one stop, I think, legitimately, that wasn't aided by a holding penalty. Um, the second half, I thought they tackled better. I thought they had better angles. Um, I thought, and, and, and here's something that is a positive. I thought they got pressure on Terry Wilson when he dropped back to pass. I didn't think he got to stand in there all day like Kyle Trask did. Um, thing was, you couldn't make him pass very much because you couldn't stop the run. So, look, the defense isn't good. It's not going to be good. There's only so much improvement that you can make, right? Um, 
but it gave him a chance, right? You, you get, I think, three stops in a row, maybe two in the second half. And, and, and here's another thing that, look, Kentucky takes the ball. You're up, what, 38 or, or 30, 35, 28, right? You made, they made Kentucky methodically drive the football down the field to score so that when Ole Miss got it back, they could practically run the clock out if they didn't go score. Because um, imagine if you have to kick that ball back to Kentucky with, you know, a minute 45 left instead of 40 seconds left. That's a different deal. Um, so I, I look, it, the defense isn't good. Let's, let's not, I don't want to be naive to that fact, but they stink on ice. Yeah, they're not good. Um, uh, I think they played better today than they did last week, but that would be hard not to. As I say, you're talking about stepping over a low bar and we can talk about what Ole Miss does going forward with that, uh, a little later on in this show, but at the same time, they did give them enough chances to win this game. Did they do it in overtime? No. They had a poor kid just absolutely poop his pants on an extra point. And hey, like I said, what do you think of this column? The piss and miss built Luke Logan for this moment. Ole Miss goes down the field and scores a touchdown, and Luke Logan pipes the three-yard extra point in. Just absolutely uh, pipes it. No uh, uprights needed. <laughs> the, the funniest thing I saw today was a, a Twitter exchange between two Ole Miss fans. It was uh, Somebody tweeted out, I was like, well, if we score, we need to go for two before he missed the extra point, and after he missed the extra point. Uh, somebody said, well, you don't have to go for two now. <laughs> and the guy tweeted back, and I was like, well, I'm not sure. Sure, you might need to. <laughs> well, like, I'm sitting at this uh, local watering hole in Dallas, and it was the drive before halftime where Ole Miss got stopped before the goal right. line. And somebody was like, why didn't they kick the field goal? And I was like, well, their kicker's range is the two. <laughs> I asked that question legitimately at the end of the game. What do you think? And, and be serious here. What nothing. Do you th- no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious. I'll cut you off before you ask the question. The range is nothing. You don't think he would have sent him out there for a 32-yarder with two seconds left? Okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Maybe inside the 10, and you ask him to, please, God, just knuckle this ball through. But I'm serious, and this is a problem that Ole Miss is going to have to address, I guess, later on because it seems like they're just riding with it uh, like as the year goes on because they don't have anyone left. But to your point, like in terms of what you have faith in your kicker, it's I'm not trying to be an asshole. It's a 15-yard line, right? Yeah, I I think it's – I think. Look, I think if the game was on the line, you would send him out there from the twenty um, because you have a better chance of him making a thirty-seven-yard field goal than you do from scoring a touchdown from the twenty. We get to the twenty-five, and I don't think that's the case. I think that's the range. I think the twenty is the range. So we got into this a little earlier, and I know they were we're, we're rambling around, and that's really the point of this podcast—just sure. kind of raw reaction from something just happening because I'm literally calling you and we're hitting the record button, what, five minutes after this game ends by the time? Yeah. Matt Corral, 24 of 29 for 324 <laughs> scores, no turnovers, and an average of 11 yards hey, per, and per pass. And he was hurt. Uh, Kiffin said after the game he had to go in in the fourth quarter and get a shot. Um, just played through a lot of pain. It, man. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's special. He is a fantastic arm talent. And the yeah. fact that Ole Miss people, you should be ashamed of yourselves. And I don't really give a shit about shaming you. If you looked at last year and thought John Rice Plumley is the future of this program in terms of quarterbacking, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like, I'm sorry, like, spike your TV, go with the Michael Scott, maybe by the 30-inch plasma screen and talk about how great it looks on your wall. But you should spike your television. 
This man is 24 of 29 for 320 yards and four touchdowns with zero turnovers for the second week in a row in his first two starts after three starts to the 2019 season in which he was undercut after a rib injury. I'm sorry, man. It's over. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, man, I don't understand how uh, somebody did not step in last year and be like, yo, Matt, what, what are you doing? You want to keep your job? Ole Miss does not deserve Matt Corral. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Ole Miss does not deserve Matt Corral. I was talking with a buddy about this the other day, and I was like, can you believe this kid didn't transfer? He had all this bullshit thrown his way where he gets he gets touted as the face of the program all offseason, only to have to be completely undercut by a guy who can run the football pretty well. And I don't mean to disparage John Rice Pumley at all. I really don't. He's a talented kid in his own way. But to be undercut... Because of a minor radio injury by a kid who thinks Matt Luke fits his offensive identity better, it's just an absolute atrocity. Well, and the fact it, that the kid did not transfer and came back here and is now doing this, Ole Miss doesn't deserve this, but they better be thankful for it. Well, isn't that why Matt Luke got fired, though, right? I mean, it's, he got fired because of that. So I'm not going to say yeah, that. Yeah, but what happens most of the time when a coach gets fired? Who leaves? Yeah, but – you don't usually have that amount, that amount of turmoil with your best quarterback, right? You don't usually have, oh, my God, Costello almost threw another interception. Um, but you don't usually have the uh, that turmoil with, with, a, with a quarterback that, look, Matt Corral's not here if Matt Luke's the coach. So I, I think the only reason he's here is because he thought Lane Kiffin could make him, frankly, what he is right now. But the, the fact that you're counting on a kid and you talk about the whole college football scene where they should transfer with no penalty, which agree with, right? We both, I mean, we're both sure. on the side of this is absolutely ridiculous that kids can't do what they want. So in this day and age, like you're basically, I mean, no, no offense. I'm not like, I guess I'm not going at you at this, but you're basically crediting the kid for not wanting to transfer. And I'm just sitting there saying, oh, this does not deserve this in some ways. <laughs> like, wow, what a pass. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I just, um, I don't know. I think once he fired, I think Matt Corral thought Lane Kiffin could make him an NFL quarterback once they fired Matt Luke. So, yeah, did did Ole Miss catch some luck with that? Sure. Um, But, you know, that's part of it. Ole Miss hadn't caught a lot of luck lately. That's fine. And it's not just just the arm talent, man. It's the throws he's making, right? Like Kenny Yaboa. Only had three receptions today, but he was three receptions for 83 yards. He was incredible deep threat down the middle of the field. And didn't it look like every time he caught a football, it was kind of like a wow in terms of Matt Corral. Every time, to me, in my opinion, just watching it from the naked eye, every time Kenny Yabo caught a football, it was like, wow, that kid put it on the money. Yeah, I mean, and you get, you got to think you get him again next year because this year doesn't count. Um, that That's and they're going to be really good on offense next year because you're not going to lose anything besides maybe Elijah Moore. And I guess, frankly, if Corral doesn't slow down, you might lose him. <laughs> I don't think that's the case just yet. But No, still. I don't think that happens. No, I don't, I don't think so this year, but I don't. Let's see. This is 2020. Do you think Matt Corral is the quarterback at Ole Miss in 2022 if he keeps playing like this? Oh, 2022 is a different story. Yeah, I don't – yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't Okay, think why he, don't you pickpocket that for November? Can I put something okay. in your frame of mind real quick? Sure. Ole Miss gives up 400 and – let me make sure I have this. This is your eight yards on the ground. They gave up 7.1 yards per carry. That is correct. <laughs> Ole and Miss won. won a football game in which Matt Corral was its leading rusher. 
Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes. So did. what is the um, – I'm just curious, and answer this question for me because you know where it's going, and I'm basically just setting you up for the alley-oop. What is the difference there? <laughs> um, I missed extra point. I missed field goal. Some holding penalties in an inopportune time. I don't really – I still don't. I'm going to go back and watch this tonight. I don't know how Ole Miss won this football game. <laughs> Would you think the bullshit? There was one school that had a quarterback that could push the football down the field with great arm talent, and there was that wasn't. Let's cut the shit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the difference thought, in this game. Kentucky ran the ball for 400 yards and lost the game. Sawyer Smith had four incomplete. Or what is it? Not Sawyer Terry, Smith. Terry Wilson. Terry Wilson. Excuse me. The kid last year that backed him up was named Sawyer Smith. Terry Wilson had five incompletions. What is the difference in this game? Yeah. You've got you've got a quarterback that was a monster. Um, it man. was that was the difference in this entire game. Ole Miss did not run the football well, dude. No, Ole Miss had Jerry Neely was ten carries for forty four yards, four point four yards a carry. Steve Connor eight for twenty five. John Rice for me five for sixteen. They love for some reason uh, Tylen Knight, and we'll, maybe we can get into later. But Matt Corral is the leading rusher, thirteen carries for fifty one yards. So in a game in which Ole Miss could not run the football with any consistency, they ended up with one hundred and thirty nine yards on thirty nine carries. I'm asking you, what's the difference? <laughs> Who made the difference in this game? Matt Corral. I mean, it's yeah, so for the title of this podcast, I might just put Matt Corral steel nuts. <laughs> it's a good title. I think it is a good title. It gets the people going. <laughs> Except for, you know, those of those that still, still think John Ross published. Am I wrong, though? And I don't think, and all, uh, in all seriousness, like, yeah, that's one idiot on Twitter. And I don't think people actually I like saw that. two. But I it just, two. John Rice pulled me aside. Am I wrong? That's the difference in this game. Beckerat was the difference in this football game. He had no defense. They did not run the football with any consistency. He is the difference in this game. Ole Miss yes. had a Matt Corral, and Kentucky had a Terry Wilson. And I don't mean to disparage the Terry Wilson kid at all, but that is the difference in this football game, bar none. No, Terry Wilson didn't play bad. It was just that Matt was Corral fine. was fine. Yeah, it was, it was number two for Ole Miss was special. Um, and, man, it's, it's fun for me to watch because, look, I think a lot of times too, right? So, I mean, we can get into this just a little bit. So, for, for a while before Matt Corral, before the 2019 season, uh, Ole Miss relied on transfer quarterbacks, except for Shea Patterson, a little run at the end of 2016, the beginning of 2017. They relied on transfer quarterbacks. And his father's Facebook. Yeah. And, and JUCO quarterbacks, right, which are more de- developed and more polished. And Matt Corral plays last year, and I don't think anybody would tell you Matt Corral was overly impressive last year. I don't think I mean, even me and you would say that. How do you know he played three games? Well, no, no, no listen to me. Follow, stay with me here. I don't think in those four games you would say he was overly impressive. I think he should should have been the starting quarterback. But in those four games that he started and was given a fair shake, I think he was pretty average, right? I don't think Ole Miss fans were patient enough with a kid that had to develop as a quarterback, right? Because when you put a kid in as a freshman, hey, it's going to take them a little time to be a good quarterback. They don't just roll out of bed and be a good quarterback like you got with Chad Kelly, like you got with Jordan Tiamo, like you kind of got with Bo Wallace. You don't you don't just get that. And and it he took some growing pains, and I don't think Ole Miss fans were ready for those growing pains, and it wound up that they were ready to move on from him. And now you've seen him in a, in a different offense with a quarterback coach that knows what he's doing and Jeff Levy um, and a play caller and Levy and Kiffin that do a really good job. And now you're like, oh, the kid can actually play when – if you would have given him time last year, he probably could have started doing this last year. 
Yeah, and I agree. And can I push back on this when you so I, I don't disagree with you at all. I think you brought up a great point. But when you look at it at the end of the year and you look where Ole Miss was in September of 2019 or whatever, and you're thinking, yeah, John Rice probably deserves a shot. Corral is not moving the ball. He's just average. Is that the word you used? To, yeah. To, to, so he's average, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just curious. If you can be average in a scheme that features Rich Rodriguez having two receivers and eliminating an entire side of the field, what does that make you? Yeah, I, no, because I'm by with... the end of the year, the passing scheme was so incompetent. So if you're calling Matt Corral average in that passing scheme through three games, then what does that actually make him? Sure, I, and I'm with you there. They didn't do a good job with him last year, but I don't think a lot of Ole Miss fans. And I'll be frank, I didn't, I didn't necessarily dislike Rich Rodriguez after the California game. Uh, when I continued to see him coach football, I, I didn't like him as a football coach, but. I just don't think Ole Miss fans were ready to have to see a quarterback develop. And then when you do and he doesn't play as well as you think he probably should um, from a uh, completion percentage perspective, then maybe you're ready to move on. But, you know, maybe this is a lesson that maybe you probably should give the really talented kids a minute to develop before you kind of write them off. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. And I feel like we're harping on the crowd thing too much. And there's probably people listening to this that would like to us to go elsewhere, which I digress. This but, is over. But, but, I won. I won and all you idiots lost. So I'm sorry. Where do you so, go? Anyway. Ole Miss wins a football game where they give up 41 points. The other team rushed for 7.1 yards per carry. They couldn't run the damn football. Where else do you go? Like, what else do you talk about? I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. The kid throws for 380 yards on 11 yards an attempt. Yeah, he's what we're going to talk about because he's what won the damn game. He won the game. He is the common denominator. Elsewhere, there is there anything that stood out to you? I'll go through my notes in a second. Uh, that Mac I Brown wrote. Is, is there? That I'll give you the floor. Is there anything else that stood out to you in this game? Mac Brown deserves a medal. I know you kind of. I know you, you do the Mac Brown thing. He's a bad boy and has knives in his socks, but he he legitimately is a good punter. And Ole Miss has a weapon there. Oh, he's awesome. I spent four years building up his brand, and it's all because of me. It has nothing to do with his right foot. It is 100% on me. Matt Brown has knives in his socks. But to your point, at the end of the game, if you shank a punt, things get hairy um, in terms of the game going into overtime. And Matt Matt Brown slams it back. He is a good punter. The whole punting it out of the back of the end zone early in the game when you needed a place punt, maybe he's just showing off his leg. Maybe he was like, Hell yeah, ladies up in whatever section that is. I'm strong as balls. That wasn't great, but outside of that, he was pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's a weapon. Uh, but Ole Miss is not going to be able to use it much if they want to win football games because they can't stop anybody. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I'm going through my notes here, and I'm also trying to tweet idiots at the same time, which is just an absolute <laughs> atrocious yeah. thing right. to try to do. But my notes were... They went to Plumlee directly out of the backfield early on in the first quarter. What did you think of that? I didn't like it. but And look, I, I'm not the person that probably needs to be asked about this because I'm a big proponent of uh, my quarterback is my quarterback and I'm going to play my quarterback. I just kind of feel like maybe they're four. Here's my thing with Plumlee. I think he should get the football, right? I don't think John Rice Plumlee is the best running back on Ole Miss's team if you put him at running back. He's not the best quarterback. He's not even a top three wide receiver. So it's hard to figure out how you're going to get him the football. That being said, he should get the football. Every time they think about giving it to Tyler Knight, they should get it to John Rice Plumley instead. Yeah. 
Fair enough. I don't necessarily disagree with that either. I don't know what you do there. It's almost like they're searching for the explosive scat that guy and they can't figure out who it is yet. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Is it the Henry Parrish kid? Um, who had a I think he had one, maybe two rushes today. So I don't know. Um, but they need that guy. I think Jerion Ely was okay today. I think Snoop Connor didn't have outside of the touchdown run a particularly great game. Um, there was some he's left some yards on the field, but is what it is. I, I think they're okay at running back for right now. My second note was great third down stop early in the second quarter, comma, sincere David still plays football for Ole Miss. Thoughts? <laughs> he does still play football, and he, again, will get a, another year next year to play football for Ole Miss if he would like it. So how about that? You'll get to say that name again next year. I, I, I don't know where you want to go with this, and I think this is going to be the case all year, but, man, it's a um, – I guess in terms of you're really like invested in the outcome, it is a uh, it's a frustrating defense to watch, right? Because and I was trying to in terms and, and I'm not the analytics guy. If you're coming here for trying to tell me who has gap responsibility and all of that, I'm the wrong guy for that. I feel like if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you probably know that at this point. But I would just give you a general thought. It seems to be a very frustrating thing to watch in terms where where you watch a defense even when they kind of look in decent enough position and the guy still squirt three for seven yards that to me seems like a telltale sign of a tough defense not tough yeah, defense, it's, a bad it's defense not, a tough defense to watch yeah it's not a great defense I don't think um, anybody would say anything else hey, look I I don't know what you can do for if there's some things that are like yeah they're they're getting out talented but the missed tackles have got to stop when you've got guys dead to right in the backfield on bubble routes and, and things like that, man, we, we've got to start making some tackles at, when we get to them. I mean, because – Okay, so so I agree with you. How much of that do you put on like, hey, man, like they haven't played football in a while. They had no normal offseason. How much do you put on that – on them just sucking? Because I just I, – and I the reason I ask you that is that last year – they were a disciplined football team. They weren't very talented. Mac McIntyre did a lot with the little, but they were a decent tackling football team. So how much of that do you put on regression or how much do you put on that of just like, hey, this has been a weird-ass offseason. We're not in sync. I don't I don't put a ton on regression. I think it's a weird offseason, and hopefully if you're Ole Miss, it gets better over the uh, course of the year. And if it does, uh, you'll say you'll look back and say that's what it was. You didn't have a ton of time in the offseason uh, or in preseason to get ready, So and you didn't have a spring practice. So – do I think Mike McIntyre probably would have done a better job? Maybe. Yeah, I probably do. But I don't – look, I, I – I, He's I also just, trying to do less, right? Yeah. And so you have, like, kind of this long-term plan in place, it seems like, with this defensive, like, staff. And so, like, I, I, I don't – I guess I don't really know what I'm saying here is I think Mike McIntyre could do a better job in a vacuum, but is there a sure. long-term plan in place here? Yeah. And, I don't and know. They better recruit then if that's the case because this looks atrocious. Yeah, they, they've got to recruit. There's no doubt about that. And they did they, they did a really good job of this that this week, right? You get a four-star defensive back and I think a, a high three-star defensive lineman, if I remember correctly. Um, you got to recruit out of it. So, do I think Mike McIntyre is a better defensive coordinator with, than, than DJ Durkin? Probably. Do do I think that Lane Kiffin hired DJ Durkin over Matt, Mike McIntyre because he's a better defensive coordinator? No, I, I think there's, like you said, a long-term plan. Um, and they're going to have to recruit out of it because there's only so much you can do right now. And I get that. Um, but, man, there, there's some things, too, that, that you can clean up, right? Like just because you're out ski or, or out-talented at, at some things doesn't mean that you have to – that you can't have good pursuit angles, that you can't set edges. Um, so I, I think that – 
I think 95% of it is, is his own talent, right? Um, I think 5% of it, of it is just maybe not being ready to go, um, and that's not necessarily anybody's fault. Where did Ole Miss win this game? Because Kentucky was technically slightly better on third down. They outgained Ole Miss. Ole Miss was much better in the passing game. Kentucky was demonstrably better in the running game. Kentucky had one turnover. Ole Miss did not turn over. I mean, I guess I'm stating the obvious, but how did Ole Miss win this game? Well, if you're asking where Ole Miss won this game, I can tell you where I think the game changed was, um, look, Ole Miss gets stopped at the, uh, what, one-yard line? And they get a three and out and they get it back. And then in like four plays, they're in the end zone. I think that's where they won the game because you, yeah, because of the past, that's the 98 yard back breaking drive. Where do you think, right. how the hell does that happen in the game's over? Because it's yeah. 35 21 at that point, you're dead on there. Yeah. I, I think that's where the game flipped is you, you get that stop um, and you go down and, and you score and you tie the game. And Kentucky, for really the first time since the first quarter, had some pressure on them and Ole Miss was able to get another stop and go get another score. And I think that's how you're going to have to win football games. You're going to have to to get stops at the right time and just pray that your offense – because there was a stretch there where Ole Miss would get a stop and then they wouldn't go score. Um, and they finally were able to get two in the end zone right there and, and put 30, put it up 35-28 to 28 and, and get the game into overtime. Yeah, and you get to the point – so where is Ole Miss? Let's go to macro thought. We can – actually, do you have anything else regarding this game? I thought the no. defense kind of stuck. I'll go through the last couple of my notes. Okay. I thought the secondary was a little bit better, but that's probably because Kentucky just doesn't push the football down the field at the rate that Florida did, and they were having so much success running. Then, like, how the hell could you not think the secondary played better than last week? Um, I have Mingo is an alpha huge balls times two. That was my note. <laughs> how, how many deep was that? He was fantastic. That was my sixth note deep. And then I think I tweeted Jonathan Brass Balls Mingo because I don't really have a filter anymore now on Twitter that I don't really have too much of a professional obligation. He was fantastic. Do you, do you have to use Twitter for your job at all? Uh, kind of. I mean, it's like a promotional <laughs> tool at this point, but like nothing else. Like I'm not going to get fired because of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Why? Do you want me to tweet something X-rated? <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. But he was awesome. Jonathan Mingo was awesome. And some athletic idiot that can't see over the top of a roller coaster or whatever the joke is, wrote about on the Ole Miss spirit about Ole Miss needs more out of Jonathan Mingo. And boy, buddy, did they get more out of Jonathan Mingo. He was amazing. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, Jeff Levy, they said during the game, uh, said he was shocked that the only time he touched the ball last week was on the two-point conversion. So, uh, look, he's a phenomenal player. And, Look, That's Ole a really good sign for Ole Miss. Really good. Yeah, he's physical, man. And and you've got Yaboa, who's great at tight end. I just, man, I'm excited about this offense. This offense, it, it, look, are they going to go score 42 points every week? No. And I think if you watched Florida today, you knew their defense probably isn't great. Um, that being said, I think this offense, outside of maybe next week, no, no I'm going to rephrase that, outside of next week, um, can keep you in pretty much every football game. Um, and so that that that's that's good because last year, you know, your offense was not fun to watch. And the year before, uh, they, they just tasted a lot of space. So it actually looks it actually looks like Ole Miss has a plan on offense for the first time in a while. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted something earlier in the game. Wes McGriff would call some of the things Kentucky was doing leaky yardage. You have like you were going to this game and you had a team that had no one 
that could match up and just abuse Ole Miss over the middle of the field. That's not really, in terms of Kentucky's weapons, that's also not really Terry Wilson's game. But, man, I, we, I had Derek Terry, a buddy of mine, who works for the Kentucky 247 side on the podcast earlier this week. And he was, I th- and I think he was trying to be like strong willed in this take in the sense that he said, Oh, Mrs. I mean, he said, Kentucky is going to try to run for 350 yards if they can. And I was like, Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. They ran for 408. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. And, uh, yeah, but the defensive line has trouble. Yeah. And the linebackers not, are not always that great either. Like, I thought, I thought like, he, Henry and Momo Sonogo. How about Momo on that fourth down? That had to feel good, right? After all yeah. the shit that he's been through the last year and all that that crap after the injury and all that, that had to feel pretty good. But, man, they have issues up front. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought Ole Miss's defensive line uh, was okay uh, in a pass rush perspective. But, man, they were uh, – tackles for loss were few and far between. I think they had two, maybe, maybe two. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great, and like that's it's 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 one of those things where you look at it with the naked eye and you think it's just too easy, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's beyond frustrating. Um, you just it. I mean, Kentucky at one point, I think at halftime was averaging nine point one yards per play. It's like they're averaging that'll first, hunt. Yeah, if they're averaging a first down per play, it's like, what's the point of even being out here? And Ole Miss's credit, they were able to uh, get it down to 7.1 yards per play in the second half. But, and to your point, though, and in the second half, as bad as Ole Miss was, they got a couple crucial stops. And when they had to kind of not, I would say, I don't want to say win the line of scrimmage because that would be a crime against humanity to talk about Ole Miss winning the line of scrimmage. But when they had to not get dominated up front, they did it three or four times and made a couple really, really important stops. One early on in the third quarter, one with the Momo Sonogo thing, one early in the second quarter that kept the game from getting squirrely. They did enough. And that's not going to translate. That's probably more just timely luck than anything. But they did enough today. And at the same time, we were talking about, like, earlier in the week, if you've listened to this podcast all week, we were talking about how pace is going to dictate this game more than anything. And look at the final score. Ole Miss wins 42-41. Yes, it's because Kentucky's kicker pooped his pants on the extra point. And God bless that kid. That's a tough way to swallow things. But you look at the pace. Ole Miss won a shootout. If this game's 20-17, to who do you think wins the football game? Yeah. Uh, it's Kentucky 11 times yeah. out of 10. <laughs> Absolutely. And credit to a lot of kids for, for making – getting out of there with a win. First road win in, I think, two years in the SEC, right? Um, was the last what? one at Kentucky? Because I was there in 17. No, no. Metcalf got that. Uh, it was at Arkansas and Little Rock that night. That's where, right. That doesn't really count because that was the one football game I've overworked where I thought both teams deserved a loss. The <laughs> rainy game in Little Rock. Yeah. That was a disgrace to football. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. Uh, but Wait. yeah, that was really, this is really, I'll, I'll go this far though. Is this the first major win since Metcalf called that touchdown in Kentucky in 2017? Because that was really the first win that really rallied a fan base in terms nah, of like. It was, it was it was Mississippi State later that year. Oh uh, right? yeah, that's two weeks later. I didn't think about that. You got yeah. me on that one. Okay, yeah. outside of Mississippi State, where is it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you didn't do anything in 2018. You didn't do anything last year. Uh DeMarcus I, Gates delivered a fantastic quote after that game where Metcalf caught that pass. It was like, did you think he caught it on first glance? He goes, oh, yeah, that's DK Metcalf. That's cash money. <laughs> what he said. Yeah, um, exactly what he said. <laughs> but, no, nah, look, I guess, I guess you beat Texas Tech the uh, first. 
I guess, look, Matt Luke ends the year in Does that really rally anyone, though? Does BDA Cliff Kingsbury with his foot out the door to go coach Kyler Murray, which I know he didn't know at the time, does that really rally the troops? I would argue no. it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But, you know, hey, Cliff Kingsbury's doing a pretty good job. But anyway. Yeah, well, he has a fantastic quarterback. So, anyway. Yeah. Any last thoughts on this game? Is there anything else that stuck out to you? It was a um, huge win for Ole Miss, a huge win for Kiffin, and a it, year in which expectations are hard to cut by. This well, is a win that kind of prevents you from the disastrous two and sure, ten. Sure, yeah, yeah, right. Two yeah, and eight, this, whatever. Yeah, this is the win that. Yeah, look, you're going to go four and six or five and five, right? Uh, you're going to beat probably two at, at least two of South Carolina, uh, Vanderbilt, or Arkansas, maybe all three. Um, so that gets you to three to four wins, and maybe you can pull an upset over Auburn. Maybe you beat Mississippi State at home. Something happens. Uh, Mississippi State doesn't look great right now against Arkansas. Um, which is good news for us, but anyways, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it, it was a great win. Um, it, it, it was for the first time in a while, I actually enjoyed watching an Ole Miss football game because it, for the first time in a while, they looked like they had a plan on offense. Um, and I don't think I've been able to say that since Hugh Freeze left. They're a fun offensive team. They're a yeah. fun offensive team, not coached by Phil Longo, or Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> At least Phil Longo is a good dude. I guess. I mean, Sam Howell, did they win today? Good on him, man. I, did. He fucking cru- I can't say that. He crushes it in the ACC. <laughs> well, he only scored He only scored 24, but they did win. So, anyway, that's about uh, that's really about all I had today. I think it was an important win for Kevin. I think it was an important win in terms of the long-term trajectory of the program, right? Like, it's one of those things where you can build off of it. You went to a pretty good Kentucky team last week. That's two wins in a row where Kentucky, like, if you're Kentucky at this point, you're sitting there looking at it. You outgained on this. You, I guess, technically lost the turnover battle, but it's 1-0. Let's be real here. They're looking at it thinking they should probably be 2-0, and and yet they're 0-2. That's a tough place to be. Yeah. Because I don't know if you watched that Auburn game last week. They outgained Auburn. They completed over 60% of their third downs. They had four just disastrous turnovers, which is where the game was going lost. But you could look at you could look at Auburn last, and you could look at Kentucky Auburn last week and think Kentucky was the better team despite them losing by sixteen. That's just a tough place to be for the Wildcats. Who do you, if you're a Kentucky fan, who are you more mad at, the uh, kicker or the kid that threw up the deuces on the way to his uh, first touchdown that then fumbled? One, the kid that threw up the deuces on the first touchdown. I'm more just mystified by the kicker. It's like, bro, this is three <laughs> yards away. Like, can you not just knuckle that thing into the end zone? And the other thing I'm mad about is how you gave up what you gave up to Matt Corral. Does that mean Ole Miss's offense is good? And I'm not I'm not asking in the sense that, like, I know Ole Miss's offense is good. But what is it? I will go wrap up thought here. What does it say to you that Ole Miss did this to Kentucky and Florida in back-to-back weeks and just absolutely abused them in the basketball oh, twice? Did it? That, that it's one of the better offenses in the SEC. You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Um, I think you can you can play with anybody. I will ask you this, though. Uh, Matt Corral was hurt at the end of this game. Uh, went and took a shot in the per- fourth quarter, and, and Kiffin talked about it in his post-game press conference. You know, I don't play him next week. I, I just don't. Uh, I mean, you're not going to win the football game. You've got – look. That's we'll not a- happening, though. I don't disagree with you, but it's not happening. Is it not? Because, cause look, Lane Kiffin's a smart guy. Um, I don't think he's going to send him out there if he's not ready to go against a team that, look, Ole Miss isn't winning next week. I don't think anybody, um, maybe outside of the IPF, and I'm not sure, I won't say that. I don't think any Ole Miss fan expects them to beat Alabama next week. So I, I just, if he's, if he's actually banged up, I would go Arkansas. 
Um, anyways, I'm sorry. I, I've had a few, but I don't play the kid if 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 he uh, if he's not 100 percent healthy. I just don't. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just don't think that's uh, that's happening because if he's able to finish the game, I think Ole Miss is going to trot him back out there. I think he has too much pride with the whole saving. I, I guess in fairness, if you're if you're him, right? It's like, no, nah, man, I missed the game last year against Alabama, and I never started again. I'm I'm playing. <laughs> it's like, you no, know, Matthew Rowe's not asking out of that. Like, no, yeah, no, absolutely 100%. not. But he's gonna. So, if they were to tell him, like, if if, if it was me, he would, and I was the coach, I would probably would have said it. He'd probably come and be like, "No, I lost my job last year because I had to sit." Absolutely not. So I've said this nine times, but actual final thought: Ole Miss goes to a game in which it's going to lose next week to Alabama because Alabama is machine-like and just absolutely disposed of Texas A&M. Yeah, Good luck to Jimbo Fisher in that $75 million check. That's neither here nor there. They go to Arkansas the next week. That's a pretty tricky game, but it, I think given everything you've seen of Ole Miss plays was they're going to win. That sets up for a pretty interesting stretch where you've got back-to-back against Auburn, Vanderbilt on the road, and then South Carolina. That's a stretch where Ole Miss can make their hay and get to 4-3 and three to where people like Scott Van Pelt are sitting there thinking, Lane Kiffin's got this shit going on. Fair enough? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think Ole Miss uh, goes at least two and one in that stretch. I'll say that. I think Ole Miss goes at least two and one in that stretch, and then it gets really interesting, right? I don't know how bowl eligibility is going to work this year, but I think at that point it'd be extremely interesting. If you upset Auburn after the whole Alabama thing, you've got a puncher shot the next couple weeks at five and two. Yeah, absolutely, man. And if and that's why this was such an important swing game, right? Yeah. When you lose this, you're talking about going to Arkansas, trying not to start 0-4 with a road trip at Vanderbilt living. And, and, and Yeah, and if you're 0-4, the fan base is like, really? Um, so yeah, You needed was- something to show for it, and that's probably the greatest encompassing thought we could have about this. You needed something to show for it. Maybe it happened on a stroke of luck, but today was something to show for it. Is that not kind of the encompassing thought over this game? No, I, I think that's completely fair. I, I think that's completely fair. Um, I have some breaking news. Would you okay. like to hear uh, Felipe Franks is still not good. Still not okay. good. He, he, uh, he, he was going in for a touchdown in Starkville, um, and he, he forgot football. So uh, That's he, tough. Yeah. Not, not, not everybody uh, walks into the end zone with the uh, football. And t- and well, Starkville. if you walk in without the football, it doesn't count as a touchdown uh, by the American rules. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I've, I've seen people fumble going into the end zone in Starkville before. Well, Colin, I've had a blast doing this again. <laughs> this was great, just jotting down. I feel like I feel like every time I click record on these post game reactions, <laughs> it's just a blank canvas, and we just start throwing paint on there. But this was awesome, dude. I appreciate it. Are we? We uh, are. Are we going to do these for baseball? Because we could just yell about Bianco for an hour. Do you want to do this after every <laughs> baseball game? Because now that I'm distanced from the baseball program, I promise you, you don't want to do these after they lose to ULM in February. <laughs> You know, you know. I promise. You, I promise. You, know, you think you might not be able to go back to the uh, media scrum with five? I don't even give a damn about that. I just promise you, I will say inhumane things. But I'm gonna <laughs> keep that button up now because it is the fall and it is football season. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go, Rip. You, you you seem to be having a good night. This was fun. I appreciate it, dude. We'll be back at it next week. Uh, post game for the Alabama game. Do we know what time with that game that is? That five o'clock. Mid afternoon game, right? Five o'clock. Bringing back the old ESPN two time, dude. But this was fun. I appreciate it. We'll be back at it next week. If you liked what you heard, I know we got all kinds of uh, 
good reviews on the post-game podcast last week. I really appreciate that. Go leave us a review on Ben's Talk of Champions feed. Five stars, five stars. You can say whatever the hell you want about us in the co- uh, comments feed. Go check out Greg, University Avenue, LBs. You know the drill after listening to this podcast. Colin, dude, I appreciate it. We'll be back at it next week. Sounds good, my man.